Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today's episode number 72. It is the last week of June 2021. We're ending the first half of 2021. Whew, thank goodness. Um, we just came off of Father's Day. That is great stuff. Uh, we all know how important Father's Day is to uh, the sport in general. I mean, most of us got involved due to our father for some uh, way, shape, or form. But the best thing I love about Father's Day is that I, for one day a year, for one day a year, I do not have to listen to people talking about toxic masculinity on Father's Day. For one day a year, those people shut up about it and they just realize that the world needs toxic masculinity. Uh, nobody complains. In fact, actually, the people that are complaining the loudest about toxic masculinity are the people who need it most when they get their butts in trouble. Nobody was complaining about toxic masculinity whenever I rushed in to help, um, you know, a, a little kid and got hit in the head with a baseball bat, um, you know, saving her. Um, nobody, nobody complained that I had too much toxic masculinity that day. Um, everybody just sat back and said, "Okay, um, we'll we'll take that for good." Toxic masculinity is a good thing. It helps all of us survive and is needed more and more than ever. In fact, I think in this world, but you know, usually what you get all year long is this: toxic masculinity is bad. And for one day a year, it's so great. We get to celebrate fathers and we don't have to listen to that nonsense, which is fantastic. And so I was, uh, among other reasons, I think we were all very, very happy to celebrate Father's Day last week, which was nice. Um, also, man, uh, on said Father's Day, I got a chance to relax a little bit and I watched Stand By Me, that old movie that we all probably watched when we were growing up. Uh, it had been a long, long time for me. It was a lazy Sunday afternoon, and I was doing some other stuff, put it on, and man, it was so great. Uh, there was a few things that just reminded me, and I have to talk about this now. First of all, um, again, we were talking about toxic masculinity. That That's the whole point of this thing. Like, uh, boy, if, if those guys didn't have toxic masculinity and the fact that they were going to go and find this thing out, find out what happened, um, you know, that and drag racing. You may or may not remember, but the boys in their guise to go find that dead body, they told their parents that they were going to go to the drag races on that Sunday. So between this thought from the boys saying, hey, we have to find this thing, that's something that is inside of us, that is this quote unquote toxic masculinity, and the drag races being on Sunday that's close to their house, at least close enough that they could walk to it, um, those two things allowed those boys to go on that epic adventure um, and, and find that 
that dead body. Um, I mean, it was great, really. And, you know, adventure is what life is all about. I mean, it was all about the adventure. I mean, of course, you might get a leech on your private part, or you might find Ray Brower's dead body. And to be fair, I don't think I want to live in a world without adventure. We have to have this adventure. Why do you think we load these things up and go see if we're going to win, lose, whatever uh, might be? Um, man, it, that was just good stuff. And, and the adventure is a world worth living in. If there's no adventure, if it all gets dumbed down too much, man, what's the point of all this stuff? So always remember, it was a tremendous bout of toxic masculinity in a day at the drag races that led those boys um, in the movie Stand By Me to their adventure of a lifetime. So do what it takes. Let's have more adventure and more drag racing in our lives. It's good for us. It is good for us. Um, that said, I am excited to get to today's show. Uh, we've got an incredible guest on today, Erica Coleman. She is a PDRA elite top sportsman standout. Um, she's fantastic. I'm excited to get her on. Uh, so guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop, get to work on the old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And guys, girls, once again, we have... Um, and just kind of a you know sad sad news in reporting that Kyle Seipel has uh, passed. Um, there have been numerous articles remembering him in his tremendous career, and I won't try to recap his his career and what he has meant to drag racing um, and even our classes. Um, but do yourself a favor and get out your Google machine and read one or at least one of the many uh, very well-written pieces that were penned in honor of him over those last week. Uh, and they all write the same words, which is that Kyle was truly a great in our sport. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, that was just taken much too soon um, with his bout with cancer. Uh, I would never met him face-to-face -face personally, but in our communications, he was extremely nice to me and uh, was looking forward that to that if possible. Um, you know, you've heard me say it here before, and smarter men than me have echoed the same sentiments, but, you know, when we lose someone like Kyle, uh, his stature that not only was a great racer, um, not only was... Uh, a great family man, but very, very respected um, in almost everything he did. I mean, seemingly went out of his way to help anybody and everybody who would ask or even hint that they might need some help. Um, you know, live every day to the fullest because sometimes these days are gone uh, way too soon, way too soon, and, and certainly way too soon for the good ones. Uh, rest in peace, Kyle Seipel. Okay, let's put this thing in the beams. On with us now is a two-time Cecil County Streetcar Shootout champ, 
She is a PDRA event winner, the world finals champion, and is a part of the all three-second field in the elite top sportsman group in PDRA from Elkton, Maryland. On with us now, Erica Coleman. Erica, how are you? Great, Rex. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I wanted to uh, have you on because I've been eyeing up your Camaro for quite some time now, and um, I, I just had to have you on to talk about it. But uh, before we do that, let's let's go back a little bit. Let's, um, let's take all our listeners back and talk a little bit about how you got started in drag racing and what your history is. Okay, well, actually, uh, my daughter was in a junior dragster. She actually went down the track before I did, and um, that's how I got my start in drag racing with a 68 Butternut Camaro. Um, it started out as a 12-second car and then went to an 11-second car and then a 10-second car and then an 8-second car. That's, uh, that's the uh, typical progression, right? And, and yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very addicting, right? It's never enough. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, did your your daughter, um, do you let her drive that, or have, have you said enough's enough, uh, mom's in charge now? <laughs> Actually, both our kids junior drag race, and they're adult children now, and they, everybody has their own car. Our son has a 68 Chevelle, our daughter has a 70 Nova, my husband has a 68 Chevelle, so it's a, it's a family thing. I love it. I, I can't love that enough. Um you guys can have your own bracket race just with the family then is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and in, and you're from Elkton, Maryland, um, or that's where you're, you live now. Is that, was that where you grew up and, uh, is Cecil, I guess your home track? Yes. Yeah, Cecil's the home track. And I actually live seven miles or excuse me, a half a mile from my childhood home. So born and raised here. I like it. Yeah, that's uh, and so um, so you've got the whole fleet of cars, um, and the whole family is is racing there. I guess at Cecil for the most part, but you have really gotten involved heavily with this um, top sportsman group in the PDRA. Walk us through the yeah, progression. Yeah. Walk us through the progression. You're you driving this, um, uh, I believe, a street car, right? I mean, it's a street car, and then you you make the jump to elite top sportsman that's that's a jump yeah it is a jump i didn't actually start out in elite i started out when i first got the car 10 years ago started with a bracket my one of my bracket motors a 565 got you know into the car used to how it, how it ran and how it felt and then we moved up to a 781 with a nitrous on it and did that for a couple years and then the big jump was two years ago when we went from the 781 to a 908 with five stages in nitrous and with the fuel injection with Schweitzer. Ah, okay. So, uh, so that was two years ago and, um, walk us through that. Like what, what type of changes, um, you know, for the good, maybe stuff that you've had to work through that you didn't think you'd have to work through. Um, well actually the transmission, the transition, uh, went smoother than I thought it was, thought it would because going from a carbureted, to a fuel injection in itself is, is a totally different beast as far as how to tune it, how to start it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a whole, a whole different program. And then combined on top of that with going to five stages of nitrous. Um, but 
I did it in front of the world. I, I basically did. Everybody saw me from, you know, messing up to blowing the front end apart to um, I was out there on the world stage. But I'm proud of my progression and I'm glad we made the change. We're still learning, uh, still some things to figure out, but definitely, definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And what I think is uh, maybe interesting from folks on the outside, uh, you're running this 781. Um, you know, you win the PDRA um, World Finals, right? You win that event, and then you're like, uh, it's not going to do it for the elite side. <laughs> we got to step up. Exactly. That's the other thing. Every year it progresses. Everybody's getting faster. And if you want to stay, you know, in that in that top 16, you you have to start getting better or get faster, buy a new motor or get a new motor. Right. And we're facing that again now because a lot of people are going to 959. That's like the motor now to have. Um, I'm not there yet, but we're we're doing our best with our 908 to to be up there with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and you are. I mean, you were a part of the first all three second field. So I mean, it's yes, that was. That was awesome. And that was such a great experience to be a part of that and doing that at Galat Motor Sports. So it's, we made history. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and I think what is amazing is to think that, you know, you're, you're running, you're bracket racing in the threes and to think that, oh man, I, maybe I don't have enough motor anymore. Like that seems ridiculous, does it not? It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it and it's just and that's another thing with bracket racing that's in it's in my blood people like heads up and all that but me i like the challenge i like the challenge i better hit the tree and get my number at the other end it's just it's just awesome to do that yeah um well speaking of hitting the tree i mean you were trip zip in the final at norwalk um and yes, you know, mostly that would get it done right um did, yes did you hurt anything in the in that final, or what happened there? No, what happened the round before when I was going into the finals, I blew the rear, and we were thrashing back at the pit to get the rear. We had a spare rear to put in the car so we could go to the finals. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then um, the car, you know, spun. So what are you going to do? That's racing. R- right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's you know, and. Um, the PDRA, those guys do such a good job of working with the racers and stuff. I'm, I'm guessing they, they were good to you and able to, to get to the, you know, up there to get that done. But, but uh, you know, you get up there, you work that hard, go trip zip, you think you're in good shape, and then the racing gods go, not today. <laughs> yep. And the funny thing about that was it wasn't uh, PDRA didn't even know this was happening. Cheyenne Stanley, who I was running against, was getting ready to go to the lanes, and I said, Cheyenne, we're almost done. We got about 10 minutes to put this rear in. Do you mind waiting? He pulled right over and uh, we got up there and I said, Cheyenne, I really appreciate you waiting for me. He said, you know what, Erica, you would have done the same thing. And I said, you're right. Yeah. He's, as, he's a good of a dude as there is. And, and, and really um, everybody in the, in that uh, racing in that group is a, is a great dude. But Cheyenne um, was, is especially astounding in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great character. Yep, and uh, so then you guys had a legit race. Uh, didn't quite get it done, but um, you know you're, you know you you move on. You raced uh, this last weekend, um, and then and then I guess you're gonna 
you're just going to follow the PDRA series. Is that right? I mean, do you do any any other series? Do you run uh, NHRA Division One or anything like that? I usually run um, I usually run NHRA at um, the local track at CISA when it's there in August or October. They I think they moved it, but I usually run Top Sports in there too. Okay. Yeah, but really the the only time you really run on the long track then is at Cecil. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Um, and how often? I'm I'm curious though. Um, tell us a little bit about the the chassis of that of the uh, the car you run. Uh, whose is it? Um, who built it? Anything anything unique about it? Okay, um, it's a Tim McCamus car. Okay. And it actually has quite a bit of history to it. It I purchased it from Jim Halsey. That car was the red car that was the first to go in the five. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. It does have some history, Erica. And, yes, it does. And then even talking to Jimmy, because we're teammates and usually pit next to each other, he was telling me when I started going faster and got, you know, 380s in, he said, uh, you realize you go faster in that car than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I didn't realize that. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, and... Uh, Probably, I mean the whole the whole series is sped up. So um, yeah, that's that's part of it, right? Do it or or get left behind. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's uh, uh that's pretty neat. And um, tell everybody what color uh, your car is um, because it's it's kind of a unique color. And I I'm guessing it's it's factory or period correct, right? That's the same color that was released by Chevy in '68. That is correct. It's called um, Butternut Yellow, and I actually, it mimics my bracket car that I race at Cecil, which is a 68 Camaro Butternut Yellow. Same striping, we just, you know, elongated it because of the shape of the, the top sportsman car. Sure, yeah. Um, now, you mentioned to me off the air that uh, one is Butternut 1 and the other one is Butternut 2. Which which gets the number one moniker? The first one has to be. Okay, all right. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, the top sports was number two. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, I didn't know how we rated things in the Coleman uh, family based on uh, you know heritage or speed. You know, either one. <laughs> that that makes perfect sense. Um, well, I, I've had a chance to to look at that car up front, and it, it is really a, a fantastic piece. Um, you know, and just really spectacular. And I would never you know have the guts to paint my car um, butternut yellow, but it looks amazing in person well i appreciate that and it doesn't help i mean it doesn't hurt that uh my husband and i own cornell body shop so it leaves us a hand to be able to if something goes wrong be able to fix the car or touch up things makes it a little bit easier ah uh, there you go and are are people out uh driving around smashing up their cars enough to keep you guys busy right now um, during last year, no, because they had everybody off the roads, but now right. it's starting to come back. We're not going to be where we were, but we're going to be okay. Okay, good. Uh, I, I assume people you know, have, will smash their cars up a little bit more because they've forgotten how to drive, but uh, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not sure how that all works. <laughs> well, you mentioned, you mentioned that uh, your whole family has cars, so then when you go to a PDRA event, it, is the whole family there? Is the, the whole crew go, or who's who goes with you on race day? For, when we're doing a PDRA event? Yeah. Okay, I'm make sure I heard that correct. Um, normally, it's my husband and I. Um, our daughter is just got, got back from being living in D.C., 
and our son lives in Rockville, which is 90 minutes away. They try to come to the local ones, but they don't normally travel with us. It's usually David, myself, and the two dogs. Okay, gotcha. Got to have the dogs um, there for moral support, I'm assuming. Yeah, Ziva and Dante. Dante just started coming. Ziva's come from the time she was a pup, so and she's pretty pretty popular. Most people know who she is. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, that that's good stuff. Um, well, what uh, talk to us a little bit about what your goals are for um, this year and you know moving forward. Just trying to get the car to stay consistent, get get a good dial in on it, and uh, it kind of bit us this last race. Uh, the weather changed, and we had an issue where we messed up ahead and thrashed it again until midnight Friday. But uh, the weather changed, and we put a number on the car, and we should have dialed up. And so we're trying to just get more defined of being better at dialing the car. Yeah, and you it's mentioned hard to deal with the fast car, right? <laughs> It is, um, you know, it, it truly is, and I mean that's that's so, so much a part of it. Are you finding that the fuel injection is helping you um, put put your thumb on that dial, or is that some, still something you're working through? Um, I believe the fuel injection and um, getting the nitrous right is is the key. It's just it's a balancing act, and you just have to learn how to do it. Yeah. A lot of seats on. <laughs> right, right. Um, and is that um, with you and your husband? Um, you know, there's there's bottles to deal with, and you know, talk about the little bit um, kind of in between round maintenance. Uh, who's in charge of what, and how does that work? Okay, normally our typical round is um, we get back, we put the car up on the lift, I pack shoots, he pulls out spark plugs, pulls the valve covers, checks to make sure there's no broken springs or no uh, rocker arms are broken. Mm-hmm. I take care of refueling it, airing the tires, and cleaning the oil pump each round. And then uh, as long as there's nothing you know broken, because sometimes you can break a spring or whatever, then sure. we put it back together. Then we heat bottles, put them in the car, get ready for next round. But it's 30, 40 minutes most of the time. Yeah. With nothing yeah. wrong. <laughs> right, right. Nothing wrong in hustling, right? It's uh, 30, 40 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, uh, you know, that's the other thing I don't think people understand is, you know, just the average viewer is how much work goes into just just turning the car round by round. And that's uh, that's exactly. impressive. Impressive all in its own right, I would say. But, uh, well, that's, that's uh, really good stuff. So, um PDRA next on your on your uh, calendar. Um, you guys have had a, a good event at Norwalk. Um, maybe a little disappointing here uh, at Maryland, but um, anything wrong with the car? Anything you got to change, or just uh, make sure yourself get yourselves ready to go? Um, fortunately, we we used all the spare parts that we had at the last race <laughs> to get it together. It's together. Um, we just think we just missed the dial with, with the weather change. Uh, the plan is to just go back in and um, try to do what we did without breaking any parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'll get a few laps in with the bracket car, um, Butternut 1, in between uh, the next PDRA race. Is that what you do? Stay sharp? Um, this year I've been really focused on the top sportsman car um, because I want to try to get this figured out. It's, it's 
it's difficult to run both. It really is. If somebody tell you, oh, it's no problem, it's not. It's, it's difficult to do both because your mindset is in a different place. Sure. Even though I have the cars actually set up very similar, same shifter, same button. Um, okay. Yeah, that, but I really wanted to focus on the, the top sportsman this year. Yeah, yeah. And well, it shows, I think. I think it shows. Well, you kind of have to, right? I mean, if, if you're going up against the best of the best, um, and, and we're talking a sport that has, uh, you know, winning and losing is thousands of a second. Um, man, any, any little bit of deviance in your focus, uh, man, it can just ruin the whole, the whole season, really. Right. Well, that, that uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, spending a little bit of time with us. Cause I, like I said, I've been eyeing up that car for uh, quite a while now. So I've been, uh, happy to get you on and talk a little bit more about that. Um, had no idea about Butternut One, but um, excited to check that out online as well. So uh, certainly keep us posted on on both cars if you don't mind in the future, and and come back and see us again sometime. Will do, and thank you again for having me on. Yep, that was uh, guys, girls. That was the great Erica Coleman. If you need her. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com, and we've got a lot to get you caught up on today, so we're going to get right to it. Starting with the NHRA Division I event, happened at Lebanon Valley um, June 20th. That was uh, this last weekend, or the weekend before last, I should say. Um, that was a divisional event. Division One got down there. Uh, with 27 cars lining up in top sportsmen, your number one qualifier was Bill Janke in his 2013 Camaro, which I personally have an affinity for, so I'm rooting that guy on. And he goes 649 with a zero at 217 miles an hour for the top spot. But ultimately, your winner was Dave Miller over Al Steferini. Stefferini goes 002 red, 2000 red to give Dave Miller his first Wally. So congrats to Dave Miller. Um, on the top dragster side, a little tougher going. There were 37 cars for those 32 spots. Your number one qualifier, none other than fast Freddie Perkins, going 621.9 at 222 miles an hour. Your bump was Bill Russell at a 6.93.5. And your winner was Vince Mussolini over Sean Fournier. Vince was just too strong. He was 004, dead on nine for a 13-pack. Too much for a very respectable 20 dead five by Fournier. Uh, but the wind light and the Wally go to Vince Mussolino. Um, on... To the going west from there, we go to Bandemir Speedway in the Division 5 event. On the top sportsman side, there were 19 cars. Your number one qualifier was Neil Schaefer. He goes 678-1 in the altitude at 203 miles an hour. And your winner was Kelly Land over Jake Neubauer. Kelly Land was not messing around, trying to grab his first Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally, and he does it. He goes 005, dead 7, 12 pack in the final 
leaving Jake Neubauer's very respectable reaction time burning fuel for second place. So congrats to Kelly Land for getting it done in Top Sportsman. And top Dragster, a full field, 32 cars. There were nine female drivers in this 32-car field. I don't know that we keep records for that stuff, but I'm guessing that is uh, close or up there to the record in Top Dragster. So nicely done. Um, and, and your number one qualifier, fittingly, is Anita Strasberg. From, she's from Mapleton, Utah. I think that's one of the closest tracks that she has that she gets to um, in out there in Bandemir. She goes 614 with a 6 at 230 miles an hour. And your winner is Bradley Johnson over David Onez. Bradley is 13 on the tree, one above to win his fifth Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally. Now, on the last weekend, which was a big weekend, uh, first of all, the NHRA national event, Norwalk, Ohio, Summit Motorsports Park, top dragster, 21 cars, Mike Coughlin breaking out the Eddie Van Halen tribute helmet. If you have not seen it, uh, go online, check out the Facebook page. I, I retweeted that. That thing is super bad. And for a guy who um, grew up on Van Halen and the absolute riffs and magic that came out of Eddie Van Halen's hands, that helmet is incredibly bad. Um, love it, love it, love it. But, uh, you know, what happened there in Norwalk was there were a lot of people that went under that 610 speed limit. So your number one qualifier uh, with a 613.4 is Pascal uh, LeCompte. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not, but uh, Pascal goes 613.4 at 228 miles an hour. But your winner was Al Kenny over Anthony Bertozzi, the reigning world champ. Al is trip zip in the final to AB's 008. Man, two very respectable uh, reaction times in the final there. But Al Kenny earns his ninth national event Wally over AB. What a great race in the final. Congrats to Al Kenny. Uh, on the top sportsman side, there were 24 cars, and your number one qualifier was Glenn Butcher. Glenn goes 634.8 at 216 miles an hour. He is debuting that newly put together 959 that Dan Ferguson and Jeff Melnick helped put together and make sure that thing ran right in the first weekend out. That thing goes right to the top spot. So, congrats to Glenn Butcher. Uh, and also congrats to Dan Ferguson and Jeff Melnick for, for doing a nice job on that as well. But your winner is your reigning Division Three champ, a guy who's very familiar with Norwalk and recently put together his new engine as well, Kurt Frederick over Mike Badia. Uh, Kurt is, is uh, you know, he's green and dead on one to Mike's red light. Uh Tough to beat either way. Kurt was going to be extremely tough. Um, and that's Kurt's second national event win light in his second national event Wally to go along with his divisional championship. Then there was the PDRA at Maryland International Raceway. Um, I'm assuming that's because everyone internationally is uh, welcome there. But the PDRA has their North versus South shootout. 
And man, their whole event is just bad to the bone. Lucky for them, they finally got a racing without any raindrops. Um, and they they went nuts. They ran a great show on Saturday. Um, and the elite top dragster side, um, your number one qualifier was Peter Maduri. He goes 375.5 at 192 miles an hour. Uh, Tom Martino was your bump spot of that 16 car field at 408. It is wild that a 408 wouldn't have gotten into the elite top sportsman side, but it does hit the bump spot of the elite top dragster side. Unique in, in that regard. But your winner is Michael White over the number one qualifier, Peter Maduri. That was a great race. Michael White's 14 light gives him just enough reaction time to take his 57 Chevy paint-themed dragster to the winner's circle, and it begs the question, should all dragsters have to have a corresponding door car paint scheme, or should we just allow them to continue to be dragsters? I like what Michael White's done with that car. Um, it, I like the fact that he has said this thing has a soul of a 57 Chevy, and it makes me wonder, should all dragsters have to correspond in some way, shape, or form to a door car? I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, let me know what you think about that. Um, now, on the physical door car side, the elite top sportsman group was another great <laughs> group as well. Um, John Benoit goes number one with a 378.1 at 203 miles an hour. Derek Brown is your bump spot at a 399. So an all three-second field. Wow, stacked upon wow for that one again. Um, and your winner is Bob Bauer Jr. over Tim Mulner in the final. Bob Bauer Jr. is 16 reaction time. He's a 4017 on his 401 dial for the win. Tim was a little late, uh, but not much he could do to catch up to Bob at that point. So congrats to Bob Bauer Jr. for winning the elite top sportsman group uh, at Maryland in PDRA. On the top dragster side, the top dragster 32, um, they had 51 cars total in top dragster. So they sent three of those top dragster cars to the bracket bash. And your number one qualifier was Mike Kopko. He goes 4092 for the top spot in Top Dragster 32. Your bump spot was a 453.3. So pretty tight grouping there in Top Dragster 32. But your winner is TG Pascal over Brooke Hall Gary. Now, TG is 16 on the tree, one above four, just enough to get his, get this, third win in four races on the top or the PDRA top dragster 32 circuit. Arguably, and I think we could argue this correctly, the toughest class in the whole series, and TG is just dominating. Obviously, there are great racers in top sportsman elite, top sportsman 32, top dragster elite, top dragster 32, but this top dragster 32, it is has great, there, there is great uh, drivers, there is top-notch equipment, there is, uh, the drivers are set on kill, and there is a never-ending onslaught of race day challenges that are 
not supposed to allow for a dominating performance of this nature. T.G. Pascal, three wins in four races is just amazing. And I'm not sure exactly uh, what is going on there. I mean, but, uh, you know, we had, um, you know, uh, we've had uh, racers that are on fire here, um, you know, in the past, Nick Maloney's um, run. But TG, my goodness, um, you know, I, I like a good conspiracy theory as much as anyone. So we might as well have him keep dominating and let the haters yak it up and, uh, you know, how it just simply isn't possible to be this good. So nicely done, TG Pascal. Um, keep it rolling. That is his third win in four events with the with the PGRA Top Dragster 32. And then just as good um, on the top sportsman side, there were 58 cars total for that. So they they sent 10 top sportsman cars that pushed them to the bracket bash. Amazing, really. Your number one qualifier in the top sportsman 32 was Brian Stoltz. He goes 4002 at 175 miles an hour in his 903 cubic inch 69 Camaro for the top spot. The bump was Dan Osborne's 454.3. That's a a great field. Uh, 454.3 for 32 cars is a really nice bump spot there. But your winner is Robbie Crenshaw ending Nick Maloney's phenomenal run. Robbie Crenshaw over Nick Maloney in the final. Nick had some problems off the line, but Robbie was dead on his 429 dial. Um, he, he goes 429.4 on a 429 dial. And it would have been a tough out for Nick even without any issues. But again, you've got Nick Maloney on another masterful run in the final. Uh, man, it it's Nick Maloney, arguably, and T.G. Pascal just dominating those classes that shouldn't be dominated. It's, uh, it's really phenomenal in that regard. So interesting to keep an eye out on how that progresses throughout the rest of the year. Uh, the Midwest Drag Racing Series got rained out again. They've just had a tough season. Um, when they, they had lots of reasons to be optimistic at the beginning of the year, um, you know, made some changes, added some classes, got uh, Mav TV on board, really good stuff, but just have had a tough, tough go with the weather. So that's it for this week. Next week, the action is in Norwalk, Ohio again for the NHRA Division Three uh, event there, and we will have all of that action for you next week. Oh, let's get out of the groove for a minute and just talk about something that I think was interesting to me, at least, um, in that Travis Schumacher, he um, announced that he will be the first openly gay NHRA uh, funny car driver, or at least is currently working on a sponsorship to run funny car Um I believe by the end of this year. And to me, this is a big deal because and only because it's not a big deal. Um, good for him. Um, I know his you know family has roots in the sport and he wants to do exactly that like all of us do really. Um, but I truly don't care what his sexual preference is. 
And I doubt anyone else cares what sexual positions really get me or him or any of us going when, um, you know, when I'm trying to get sweaty with someone. Um, you know, I all of this sexual preference stuff is really highly overrated, especially when it comes to our sport. It simply doesn't matter. I mean, I remember being in a fraternity uh, house 25 years ago, and it turns out there were a few dudes that, um, you know, um, ended up being uh, gay, you know, and or at least they came out later, um, unbeknownst to me at the time. Uh, but in retrospect, it's no big deal. Um, you know, I showered with them. They got a full look at everything your host was packing, and it didn't mean a thing to me. Not then and not now. Um, and it is so weird to me that this is even a conversation anymore. Um, you know, of course, now if we're talking transgender uh, stuff and, and, you know, that's going on with the Olympics right now. Um, or if you're talking a former male competing in a women's sport, that is entirely different. Um, but that said, in our sport where gender or a person's sexual preference means absolutely nothing, I, I don't think it matters at all. And isn't that perfect then? Um, I just don't have any idea why this would be news in any way, shape, or form. It's not like um, someone's sexual preference is an issue at all in society anymore. Uh, I mean... I get it that they get a whole month celebrated. Um, I'm, maybe I should be perturbed that my preference doesn't even get a day. Uh, but you know that's uh, you know that's just how how the world is shaping up today. And no re- disrespect to Travis at all, um, or no disrespect to the host of reporters and writers who covered this event uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, and I would absolutely invite Travis to come on the show and help me understand why it's a big deal. I have no idea why it would be a big deal or why it would even be announced or why it would be covered in any way, shape, or form. Um, You know, uh, but I can't wait until um, that, everyone's sexual preference, I mean, we all have preferences in some way, shape, or another. you know, as it turns out, uh, those that know me know that I um, have a wheelhouse, and you know that is that is what it is. Everybody's got something they kind of like more than other things. So be it. It's not a big deal, and I can't wait until that is a non-event as well. And I'm guessing it's going to be a non-event when the calendar turns July 1st. So that's good news as well. Um, anyway. Um, if anybody can explain to me why this means anything in our sport, I'd be happy to hear it. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone, the NHRA pro racing circuit got back to action at Norwalk after taking last year off Norwalk, Ohio, Summit Motorsports Park, widely considered one of the nicest and best run facilities in all the country was rightfully put back on the schedule this year and absolutely delivered. 
First off in top fuel, Steve Torrance continues his dominance of a class that I truly didn't think could be dominated in such a way. Also, it is nice to see him mature a little bit. And I think it's lucky for him that he has um, because, you know, uh, Brittany Force didn't try to slap him for double bulbing her like he did to Cam Ferrari. So, um, you know, that's all part of it, champ. Nicely done for coming around and understanding that it does happen on accident and, um, you know, is not worthy of a throwdown. Um, in Funny Car, Cruz Pedricon gets back into the winner's circle and drives the snap-on machine like he is capable of. Um, and, you know, maybe that gets them going a little bit because he is currently sitting seventh in the point standings after that win. In Pro Stock, which is uh, ultimately my favorite pro category, Erica Enders beats Greg Anderson in the finals with a whole shot victory, denying Greg Anderson the chance to tie his mentor, Warren Johnson. Uh, he spent 12 years with WJ for the most wins in pro stock history at 97. Either way, the champs, both Enders and Anderson, always put on an amazing show, and they did it again in the finals at Norwalk. Uh, speaking of a show, the pro stock motorcycle group, Man, Matt Smith set the track ET record in the final round going 678-2 at 200.56 mile per hour to beat Steve Johnson. So another 200 mile per hour run in Pro Stock Motorcycle this year. Man, those guys are really doing it on two wheels. And then there was this. Bob Tasca took the Ford Electric Cobra Mustang rated at somewhere around 1,400 horsepower to a record-setting 812 at 171.97 mile per hour. That pass is pretty amazing, and it's very hard to argue that an 812 isn't a great pass for a full-bodied car, a stock suspension car. But if you were to argue that in the stands... Everyone else in the stands would be able to hear you while they're making that pass. Um, so uh, good stuff out of the electric uh, crew, but uh, I'm still not sold and I need someone to help me understand why I should be. Um, in either event, nicely done NHRA and Summit Motorsports Park uh, for finishing up the first half of 2021 in style and sending all of us into the 4th of July on a very positive note. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 72. There it is, of course, the wind light and the sweet, sweet sounds of Gloria... Uh, guys, girls, we had another great week this week to wrap up the first half of 2021. We talked about how drag racing helps us. Uh, it helps us go on adventures. It helps us find dead bodies and challenge ourselves to be the best that we absolutely can be. 
Uh, we got down with the latest race results. Got you all caught up on that. And we had Erica Coleman on, a standout PDRA elite top sportsman racer. And uh, she told us all about uh, the stable of race cars that her and uh, her family has. Very, very cool stuff there. Um, hey, if you have comments, questions, or curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. First of all is the Facebook page using Messenger. I'll answer that stuff. You can also find me on TikTok, which is quickly becoming my favorite social media site um, and likely really should be for all drag racers. I mean, that social media setup is almost custom made for drag racing. Um, and getting our message out about it uh, being the best sport going. Uh, Ross Gregory does a great job on his site, and um, man, I think it is almost tailor-made for what we do. Um, so check that out if you can. Um, and you can also use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Stand by me, the movie in a long time. That was pretty, uh, pretty cool that they used drag racing as their excuse to get out. You know, I had forgotten about it as well um, until I'd seen this because you know that movie was in 1986, so I was a, a young dude back in the day. Um, but, but yeah, those boys they told their parents, you know, they were going to stay at their other friend's house, and then uh, and then they were going to go to the drag races on Sunday. And that was the excuse they were going to use to give them the, you know, the 48 hours to walk there, find Ray Brower's dead body, and then come back and, uh, you know, be back on Sunday night. So once again, Chris, drag racing saves the day.